Take your Bibles, turn with me to Acts chapter 12. Now, while you're turning there, listen, uh, because next week I will begin leading us towards what we are looking for and in this Advent season. This Advent season is the Advent of God Almighty, the Creator God, Sustainer God, Provider God, Blessed God, intervention into our world. What a magnificent time of the year. Uh, I never get tired of Christmas. Uh, and it, it's, it's, time is going faster and faster every year. And it seems like it was just yesterday, last Christmas. But it really is coming up very quickly now. And uh, we're looking at the advent of the Lord God. Just imagine, just think, stop a moment. The God who created this world, who spoke and it came into being, the great Awesome, mighty God loved you and me enough and cared about us enough to come to this world, be born in a stable. A stable. You know what's in a stable? How lowly the King of kings and Lord of lords lowered himself to come see about you and me. And see about you and me, he did. From his infancy to his adulthood. 33 and a half years. Only 33 and a half years. He lived in this world. But that was enough to see about us, to take care of us, to provide for us, and to go through everything that you and I will ever go through and have any experience of, even if we're 99 years of age or over 100, uh, our granddaughter's Grammy is 104. 104 years old. And Jesus Christ went through everything that she will ever go through and experience in those 104 years. For you and me. <laughs> I cannot imagine, I can't understand it. But I sure can enjoy it. And thank God for it. And so we're, we'll be marching towards that, that particular day and time as we go on. Acts chapter 12, in honor of God's Word, if you're able to, please stand as we read a few of these verses, and then we'll head on in. Now, about that time, Herod the king stretched out his hand to harass some from the church. Imagine that. Then he killed James, the brother of John with the sword. And because he saw that all pleased the Jews, 
that it all pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to seize Peter. Now, it was during the days of unleavened bread, so when he had arrested Peter, he put him in prison and delivered him to four squads of soldiers to keep him, intending to bring him before the people after Passover. Four squads of soldiers to guard one man. But this was no ordinary man. Well, yes, it was. He was just supernaturally filled with the Holy Spirit of God, who is the supernatural presence of God in us as well. The same one, by the way. Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. We need to monitor this word and this verse particularly. Constant prayer, because we have an opportunity of maintaining and staying in constant prayer. We have a prayer chain, and if you're not on that prayer chain, you need to see Miss Karen Davis, because she can put you on it. But constant prayer, not only there, but also through our newsletter, information and all, is requested. Friends, we can pray all the time, and we need to be. Paul said, always be in constant prayer. Verse 6, And when Herod was about to bring him out that night, Peter was sleeping. He was sleeping, bound with two chains between two soldiers. <laughs> and the guards before the door were keeping the prison. Yeah, they, were, they, weren't, they weren't keeping very much. Listen, Now behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him, stood by Peter, and a light shone in the prison, and he struck Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise quickly. And his change fell off his hands. Let's pray there, because I, I want to leave you thinking or reading on. <laughs> this, is, this is funny. I mean, it really is. You, you think about it. Peter was locked up. He was chained. Two soldiers one on each side of him, chained to him. And he's in prison. He goes to sleep. He's dead to the world sleeping. The angel had to get up, Peter. Hit him in the side to wake him up. My wife sometimes wakes me up. Did you hear that? No, I didn't hear it. Did you hear that? No. Well, get up and find out what it is. It ain't nothing. I get up and find out what it is. It's nothing. But the wind blowing in. But it concerned her. Well, the Lord was concerned too. He wanted Peter to get up. Pray with me. Father, we thank you and praise you for this time together. We thank you and praise you for your word. Teach us, Lord. Teach us your word. Teach us your will. Teach us your way. Lord God, that we may be obedient and faithful and servants to you. Speak to our hearts today, Lord Jesus, through your Holy Spirit and your word, and cause us to be yielded to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. And we'll pick up there with verse 8. His chains fell off. Arise quickly. His chains fell off. 
latter part of verse 7, verse 8, Then the angel said to Peter, Gird yourself, tie on your sandals. And so he did. And he said to him, Put on your garment and follow me. So he went out following the angel and did not know what was done by the angel was real or not. But he thought he was seeing a vision. He was. He was. He was. He was seeing a vision. He saw the angel of the Lord. When they were past the first and the second guard post. This is a whole lot of guarding for one man, isn't it? One person. The second and guard, uh, first and second guard post, they came to the iron gate that leads to the city, opens out and frees them, which opened to them on its own accord. Did you ever see, uh, the, um, uh, TV program that says uh, that, you know, they would come to a gate and say, open sesame. I mean, I, that, was, that was amazing to me as a kid. Well, here is basically the same thing. Open sesame. The iron gate opened. And the power of God opened to them out of its own accord and they went out and went down one street and immediately the angel departed from Peter. And when Peter came to himself, when he woke up completely, he said, Now I know for certain that the Lord has sent his angel and that he has delivered me from the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the Jewish people. God has not finished with Peter yet. Now, this is not in my notes, but please, I want you to know this. You're here today, you're listening to me. Right? You're listening <laughs> to me. God is not finished with you yet. You're awake. You're here. You're listening. You're seeing. God is not finished with you yet. No matter what's going on in your life, no matter where you are, no matter what you're going through, God is not finished with you yet. Verse 12, So when he had considered this, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, John Mark's mom, where many were gathered together. And look at what they were doing there at her house. In the early morning hours, praying. They were praying. And as Peter knocked at the door of the gate, a girl named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice because of her gladness, she didn't open the gate, but she ran in and announced that Peter stood before the gate. (laughs) This is an effect. This is a funny exchange. It's a humorous exchange. Rhoda, they've been praying for Peter. They've been praying that God would work his will and way. And Peter is out of prison now. He's before the door. He's knocked on the door. A girl runs to the door to answer the door. And who is it? Peter's voice. She recognizes Peter's voice. But she does not open the door. (laughs) 
she goes back into the family where everybody's praying. Hey, folks, i got some great news. What? Peter is standing at the door. Well, why didn't you let him in? Look, verse 13, And as Peter knocked at the door, he kept knocking. A girl named Rhoda came to answer when she recognized Peter's voice. Because of her gladness, she didn't open the gate. She ran in and announced Peter stood before the gate. But they said to her, <laughs> This is funny. But they said to her, You are beside, you're kidding. You're kidding. You can't be truthful. Oh, you can't believe her. Yet she kept insisting that it was so. So they said, Well, it's not Peter, it's his angel. His angel? By the way, this is another subject. I'm not preaching on it this morning either. You know you have a guardian angel. Every one of us has a gar- at least one a guardian angel. Yeah. A guardian. Just imagine. God's care of us is that he has given a guardian angel over us. Folks, I could recount the times I should have been dead. But the Lord has kept me alive for his purposes. There's still a reason that you're alive. Now, Peter continued knocking. And when they finally opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. But motioning to them with his hand to keep silent, he declared to them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison, and he said, Go, go tell these things to James and to the brethren. And he departed and went to another place. And as soon as it was day, there was no small stir among the soldiers about what had become of Peter. But when Herod had searched for him and not found him, he examined the guards and commanded that they should be put to death. And he went down from Judea to Caesarea and stayed there. In that day, Roman law was, if you lose a prisoner, it's your life for theirs. So he took the life of those guards who were over him, supposed to be watching him. Four squads of guards. I mean, that's not funny, but I'm telling you, you know, you got to look at this thing. What is happening? What has happened? If it's not the hand of God supernaturally happening, to Peter, then what else is the answer? Now Herod had been very angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon, but they came to him with one accord, and having made Blastus the king's personal side, uh, personal aid, their friend, they asked for peace because their country was supplied with food. The king's uh, from the king's country, or by the king's country. So on a set day, Herod arrayed in royal apparel, sat on the throne, and gave an oration to them. And the people kept shouting, the voice of a God and not the voice of a man. Then immediately, an angel of the Lord struck him because he did not give glory to God and he was eaten by worms. 
and died. But the word of God grew and multiplied. They could have put that verse somewhere else or anywhere else. That verse could have come anywhere else. But look at where it came. Look at where it is. Look at where, but the Word of God grew and multiplied. Look at where it's placed in this chapter. Right behind where this cruel dictator, violent man lost his life because he would not give glory to God. I want you to listen to me very carefully. We're living in a day and time right now, right now, where people are not giving glory to God for all that He has done and all that He's doing and all that He's going to do. But listen, let me tell you something. You haven't heard, we have not heard the last word from God. God has not spoken finally yet. There's still a time coming. And he will respond to all of this idiotic, violent, absurd ridicule of the children of Israel. And when God speaks, you better take notice. Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had fulfilled their ministry, and they also took with them John Mark, John whose surname was Mark. God is building his kingdom. God has always been building his kingdom. He is about building a kingdom, a kingdom that is his own, a kingdom for himself. Ephesians 6 12 says, we are not wrestling with a match against human opponents. We are wrestling with rulers, authorities, the powers who govern this world of darkness and spiritual forces that control evil in the heavenly world. Ladies and gentlemen, if that is not a truth today, I don't know when it's more true. We wrestle not with the principalities and powers of this world. It is of another world, the evil world. Satan, Lucifer, our enemy, the adversary, is roaming about, in fact, Peter says, roaming about seeking whom he may devour, destroy. And he's wanting every one of us Everyone that names the name of Christ, particularly, He is trying to destroy us. And He will not let go until He does. So, as we look at this passage and what's going on here, I want us to see the contrast between the two powers of goodness and evil, of God and Satan. They are real powers. They are real powers that we experience daily. Have you ever asked the question of why you have 
back problems or difficulties in this world? Why do, why do things happen the way they happen? Why are you going through such turbulent issues? When, seem, when things seem to be going so wonderful, so great, look out! The bottom's going to fall out. Or you're going to hit something. You're going to run into a wall. Those experiences are the struggles that we run up against because of the world of good and evil. And we can choose. The Lord lets us choose between that good and evil. When God set Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, and He told them you can eat of every tree in that garden, but there's one right in the middle of it that you can't eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you're going to die. And what in the world happened to Adam and Eve? There was an adversary that came upon, came on the scene, and, and that, was, that was on the scene in the world already. And, and the people that God created, he came and tempted them. And so they ate of the forbidden tree, the forbidden fruit of the tree. We don't know what the fruit was. So I, I hope you really uh, put that in your mind and your understanding that we don't know if it was an apple. We don't know if it was an orange. We don't know if it was a pineapple. We don't know what kind of fruit it was. It, the, the, the Bible doesn't say. It was just a fruit. It was a beautiful fruit. A beautiful tree. It was a tree that was so tempting that Eve succumbed to the temptation. And then she gave it to, to her dumb husband. Guys, listen. I'm just telling you, we got to be a little bit more wiser, a little bit more discerning. Because, I mean, he knew, Adam knew where she got the fruit from. He had to. And so, he just, well, I, it, it, it sounds like to me the same old excuse that we get when, when somebody says, well, it's just a little white lie. Well, it was just a little piece of the fruit that was forbidden. It's just a little piece. Well, that's all it took. And you know what? The word of God came true. They began to die. They began to age. And they began to experience what the devil does not tell us. He does not reveal to us. He hides it, the bad parts of it. And they began to age and get older and older and older and Things begin to creak. They begin to crip. They begin to hurt and pain and different things. Struggle between good and evil. 
the struggle began back in the angelic level when Lucifer, the highest created being that God had created, rebelled against God, and he's more commonly known as Satan, he ought, which means adversary, and he sought to usurp the throne of God, and that battle between good and evil and those two powers has been going on ever since. And history is strewn with the faces of those who have lost to the power of evil, evil because they followed, they chose to follow the evil instead of God. Adam and Eve. Solomon expressed the hopelessness in choosing the wrong power in Proverbs 21.30. No wisdom, he says, no understanding and no advice can stand up against the Lord. In the 19th century, Friedrich Nietzsche, the German philosopher, depicted Christianity as a religion of weakness. We're just weaklings. And so we, we turn to the so-called Lord. Well, let me tell you that Friedrich Nietzsche spent the last several years of his life in an insane asylum. Sinclair Lewis, some of you may know, the novelist of 1930, winner of the Nobel Prize for Literature, mocked God and Christianity in his portrayal of Elmer Gantry. Remember that? Gantry was portrayed as an evangelist who was a drunk, a hopeless alcoholic, dying in a clinic near Rome. Ernest Hemingway. Some of you know him. Another Nobel Prize winning author fought in revolutions and told about tumbling women leading a life of sin and debauchery without consequences, only to end up putting a shotgun to his head and then blowing his brains out. The Bible reveals those who... rulers in power and prestige were deceived in thinking that they could embrace the power of evil and not suffer any consequences whatsoever. Look at the Pharaoh of Egypt. He resisted the Lord. And many of his own people, and particularly those soldiers who followed him, into the Red Sea, ended up drowning, paying a price for following evil. God is building His kingdom. He's still building His kingdom, and He wants to build His kingdom with you and me. And here in this passage, we see the battle for power more than it has ever been. Jesus has been crucified. He's returned to heaven. He is not here 
physically any longer, but His Holy Spirit is here. Peter and the disciples, the apostles, are on the scene. They're spreading the Word of God. And Herod, ruthless, violent, vile individual who is on the throne is seeking to make a name for himself. And when he hears that there's a baby out there who is coming, king of the Jews, well, Herod, who ruled Judea and Palestine from 47 B.C. to his death after the birth of Christ, he sought to kill wives and children. He killed his own wife and her mother and three of his own sons. That's how ruthless he was because he feared for his own throne. He wanted mourning at his death, so he put people in prison and had them tortured and also that when he died they would be crying moaning at his death. That's how vile he was. And ordered the slaughter of young male children near Bethlehem. Herod, in Acts 12, is Herod Agrippa I. He reigned from A.D. 37 to A.D. 44, the grandson of of Herod the Great. Always on shaky ground with the people because he could never get it right. A thief, a backbiter, a murderer like his grandfather. Oh, the acorn don't far too far from the tree, does it? Notice in verses 1 through 4 the power of Satan. Verse 1, we see the harassment. Now about that time, Herod the king stretched out his hand to harass some from the church. Harass means to injure, to exasperate, to harm, to hurt. This was what Herod did. The Herods are somewhat the descendants of Esau. So, In a sense, this nut didn't fall far from the tree either. Murder, not only harassment, but murder, verse 2. Then he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. James the apostle, charged with leading the people uh, astray after other guards, and so he was killed. Of course, he wasn't. And didn't. But he was the first apostle to be martyred. And then notice the imprisonment of Peter. And because he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to seize Peter. It was during the days of unleavened bread. So when he had arrested him, he put him in prison and delivered him to the four squads of soldiers to keep him, intending to bring him before the people after Passover to kill him. So we have the power of evil, harassment, 
murder, and imprisonment. And even the apostle Peter is imprisoned. And, and Herod saw it pleased the Jews. Now you need to know that at this time, there were many Jews who did not believe. They knew a Messiah was coming, but they did not believe that Jesus was the Messiah. And so, they were wishy-washy in their following. They followed wherever the crowd went. And you can see that in the life of Jesus, in that everywhere Jesus went, Jesus was able to do, in most places, Jesus was able to do great miracles. Only a few places was he unable to. And, and, and great crowds followed him. But Herod put Peter in prison because of all the false accusations against James and Peter and the other apostles. And so they believed them to a certain degree because they wanted to be on the winning side. And Herod at that point was the winning side. The power of evil. Look at the power of God in verses 5 through 19. This is a, a time of desperation. Uh, it's coming to the end of ourselves. It's, it's seeing ourselves as, as nothing. Uh, in our own lives, we have to come to that place. But after the power of Satan, God knows where we are. He's not fooled or not surprised by anything that's happening or that goes on. He knows where we are and he knows what we need. Peter, verse 5, was therefore kept in prison. The constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. When Herod was about to bring him out, that night Peter was sleeping, bound with two chains between two soldiers, and the guards before the doors were keeping the prison. Now behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him, and a light shone in the prison. He struck Peter on the side and raised him up. Arise quickly, he said, and his chains fell off. 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7 says, Even though you have, a, you have to suffer different kinds of trouble for a little while, the purpose of these troubles is to test your faith as fire Test how genuine your gold is. Gold is, your faith rather is more precious than gold. Our faith is more precious than gold. And here by the testing of it, it gives praise to God. It gives glory to God. When our faith is tested, and a lot of what you go through, a lot of what I go through, a lot of the ailments and the, the aches and pains that we have, a lot of it is the testing of our faith to see if we're going to be faithful up to God and be true to Him, or if we're going to curse Him like the rest of the world and turn from Him and believe in everything else except God. But our faith is more precious than gold. And so if we pass the test, God is praised, God is glorified, and because of that, it, it, it gives testimony to the world that God is true. Proverbs 
2, verse 7 and 8 says, He is a shield for those who walk in integrity and in order to guard those on paths of justice and to watch over the way of His godly ones. Proverbs 18.10, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. A righteous person runs to it and is saved. Proverbs 29.25, A person's fear sets a trap for him. But one who trusts the Lord is saved. Believers, God is at work in your life, in my life. God is at work in everything that we are going through and what's going on in our lives. Why? to bring us to the point of being faithful Christians and believers in Him, and so the world will see God is true and God is real because of what we face every day. Now that was a great place for Amen, preacher. They were praying. Proverbs 15.8 says, A sacrifice brought by wicked people is disgusting to the Lord, but the prayers of upright people please Him. Proverbs 15.29, The Lord is far from the wicked. Listen. The Lord is far from wicked people, but He hears the prayers of righteous people. The church was praying for Peter. And because of it, God gives peace. When we turn it over to the Lord, when we just rest in the Lord, we give it to Him out of my hands. Do, do me a favor. Would you, would you just lift your hands? Just, to, just lift it. I mean, you ain't got to stand up and wave them. Just, just lift your hands. Is there any weight in that? I mean, if you hold them up for an hour or two, yeah, it'd be, be kind of weighty. But can you imagine that's what the freedom of the Lord's like? He gives rest, peace to those who believe in Him, to those who follow Him. John 21, 18, 19, I can guarantee this truth. When you were young, you would get ready to go where you wanted, but when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will get you ready to take you where you don't want to go. Jesus said this to show by what kind of death Peter would bring glory to God. After saying this, Jesus told Peter, follow me. Peter was not yet old and death would be a time of coming. James, however, met the sword. But he trusted the word of the Lord. Peter, and we see it right here. Peter rested in the Lord. This week, I, this week if, if you will, as you go through your days, and you come up with, with a terrible situation or something going on or an ache or pain, just give it to the Lord. Just give it to the Lord. Lord, it's yours. I can't do it. I've been to the doctor. I, I can't take it. 
I can't do it. Just give it to the Lord. Now, let me, let me, I'm not a faith healer. Please don't mistake that. I, and, and I believe in one kind of healing. I believe that Jesus Christ heals. I really do. I believe Jesus Christ heals. And I believe that today he can heal you right here, right where you are. He can heal you at home. He can heal you anywhere. But I don't believe it has to, you, you don't have to come to me. But you have to go to him. Just give it to him. Peter had so much peace in the situation that he was in, he went to sleep. My goodness. There have been times I can't, just the other night, I couldn't sleep. I waking up, I woke up probably every two hours. I don't know why. Uh, it, it wasn't anything on my mind or my heart that was bothering me. I just, I just couldn't sleep. Peace. Peace. The Lord gives peace. Satan does not give peace. He does not give rest. But even in tribulation, even in uncertainty, God will give peace. And He will give preservation. Look at verses 7 through 11. Now behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him. A light shone in the prison. He struck Peter on the side, raised him up, saying, Arise quicker, get up. And his chains fell off his hands. We're not told the angel did anything. He did not unlock those chains. They just fell off. Then the angel said to him, Gird yourself and tie on your sandals. The angel did not do for Peter what Peter could do for himself. Get up. Put your clothes on. Put your shoes on. And so he did, and he said, Put on your garment, follow me, see? So he went out and followed him and did not know that what was done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. When they were past the first second guard post, they came to the iron gate that leads to the city, which opened to them of its own accord. Now, friends, nobody can do that but the Lord God. And there are things in your life and my life that God has done that nobody could do, a doctor couldn't do, an evangelist can't do, preacher can't do, pastor can't do, nobody can do but God. And He's still doing it today. So He went out when they were past the first, second guards. The iron gate opened of its own. And they went out and went down one street and immediately the angel departed from him. God brings peace. God brings preservation. God brings, he can bring joy. He can bring peace. He can bring prayer. Prayer is what God wants us to do. Prayer is part of what is all we are all about. And then... God's presence. Do you know God's presence in your life? I've told you that before. God's presence in your life. How? By the Holy Spirit. In the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a third person of the triune God. The Holy Spirit of God is present with you and me. In verses 12 through 16, He was present with Peter. So when he had considered this, he came to the house of Mary 
the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, who, where, where many people were gathered together praying. And Peter knocked on the door, the gate, the girl, Rhoda, uh, answered, Who is it? When she recognized Peter's voice, she was glad, thrilled, happy. She ran in to tell everybody else and didn't open the door. But Verse 15, But they said, You're out of your mind. You're, you're crazy. You're, you're, you're kidding. Yet she kept insisting it was so, and they went to the door finally. Verse 16, Peter continued knocking. When they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Why were they astonished? I mean, they'd been praying for it. They'd been asking for it. Why were they astonished? They'd been praying for his release. They'd been praying for him. Why were they astonished? Because we are the same way. We pray for something and then when it happens, well, I am amazed. Don't be amazed. Praise God. Praise God for it. Motioning to them with his hands, he said, Be quiet, let me speak. He declared to them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. And he said, Go tell James and the rest of the brethren. And they departed. He departed and went to another place. God is at work in our world today. We may not notice Him. We may not notice Him. Hear me. But we can notice what He's doing. We can notice Him acting in people's lives, at work in people's lives. We can notice Him at work in people's lives by people getting saved. Hallelujah. That's one of the greatest miracles of all. A person being saved is one of the greatest miracles of God in, in all time. Salvation. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. But, but people uh, having, having life when it seems, or, or maintaining life as it, as it seems that they ought not to. A wreck a devastating illness, God moving, God working, God bringing it about. God is at work today. I attended a a conference several years ago where this man was speaking where he had been in deep, dark, jungles in our world where evil was rampant. Now, I want you to hear me. When my wife says it's nothing but pure evil, that's pure evil. She, can rec- she has recognized in, in, in people's lives things that happen in the world, that's pure evil. This guy was there with the evil, teaching about Jesus. Things happened to him that were not normal. They were not normal. And he had to be careful, even there, as he was surrounded by Christians in this deep, dark place in our world. Because any and everything that was done under the name of Jesus 
was subject to death. But also subject to the powers of this dark world. We wrestle not with principalities and powers of this world. We wrestle with things in the ethereal, spiritual world. It's spiritual warfare, folks. And we are at, spiritual warfare is real. And so, he was there, right there, in deep, dark, evil territory. But he continued to proclaim the message. And that's what Peter did. Look at verse 17. But motioning to them with his hands to keep silent, he declared to them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. And see, that's what... That's what we need to do. We need to declare what God has released us from. We need to declare what the Lord releases us from because He releases us for a reason. That reason is to go out and tell everybody that we can that He's released us. God has released us. We're no longer bound. Remember that song? Amazing Grace. My chains are gone. I can't sing it without a, a, a throat getting a, a, a lump in it because my chains are gone. <laughs> I've been set free. Hallelujah. Free. There's an unseen hand. There's an unseen hand throughout this that you, you've got to see. Verse, chapter 12. There is nothing that we are told that the angel did except striking Peter on the side. Go back over it. Do you recall anything that the angel did? The angel touched? The angel did with his hand? There's an unseen hand here at work. And that unseen hand is still at work today. I am, I've got, goodness gracious, I've got to, I'm sorry. But I, I've got to finish this because you can't, you can't go today without getting the, the end result. So please bear with me. Look at the power of God's wrath. Verse 20 through 23. Now Herod had been very angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon, but they came to him with one accord. And having made Blastus the king's personal aid, he was in charge of the king's bedchamber. Having made Blastus the king's personal aide their friend, they made friends with the evil, the enemy. They asked for peace from him. They wanted a peace treaty because their country was supplied, nourished with food by the king's country by the king's hand. So on a set day, Herod, arrayed in royal apparel, sat on his throne and gave an oration to them. Gave a speech. Oh, he was a great speaker, great speaker. I hear, you can hear some, some, you can hear some, <laughs> some words today. And, and the news media Oh, that was a great, great speech. 
great. Oh, oh marvelous. He's, he's up and coming. Oh, he's, he's doing great. He's doing great. And it, it may not be long. You don't hear about that person much anymore. Or even one that becomes presidential. And only now a little bit do we hear a little bit from him. Oh, he's great. He's great. He's great. Watch out. And people kept shouting, the voice of a God, the voice of a God, and not of a man. He's not a man. (laughs) Don't ever say, I'm not a man. (laughs) I'm just that fallible. Then immediately an angel of the Lord struck him because he did not give glory to God and he was eaten by worms and died. Listen, folks, give glory to God. Whatever's good, whatever's praiseworthy, give it to God. Give glory to God. Don't try to rob God of His glory because He will not stand for it. Give God the glory, the exaltation. They claimed Herod was a god and he was not. He was not even a little god because God struck him and he died. Daniel eleven thirty six says, The king will do as he pleases. He will highly honor himself above every god. He will say amazing things against the god of gods. He will succeed until God's anger is over because what has been decided must be done. Second Thessalonians 2, 3 through 8. Don't let anyone deceive you about this in any way. That day cannot come and a revolt takes place first. And the man of sin, the man of destruction is revealed. He, the man of sin, the man of destruction, opposes every so-called God of any or anything that's worshipped and places himself above them. Sitting in, listen, sitting in God's temple and claiming to be God. This is the Antichrist, folks. Don't you remember that I told you about these things when I was still with you? Verse 6, you know what it is that now holds him back so that he will be revealed when his time comes. The mystery of this sin is already at work, but it cannot work effectively until the person now holding it back gets out of the way. Then the man of sin will be revealed and the Lord Jesus will destroy him by what he says. When the Lord Jesus comes, his appearance will put an end to this man. An end to this man of sin. And then verse 23, notice God's condemnation. Then immediately an angel of the Lord struck him because he did not give glory to God and he was eaten by worms. The power of God's word. Verse 24 and 25, the word of God grew and multiplied. The word of God grew and multiplied. It was not stymied by all that took place here. It was not stymied by the evil. It was increased and blessed and strengthened by God himself. Friends, listen. The word of God is explosive and fulfilling. And that's what it's all about. God's hand is at work all around us. He is at work all around us. We may not see His hand before us. There is 
an unseen hand at work in all of what's happening today. Even in the evil, that unseen hand is still working. There is an unseen hand to me that leads through ways I cannot see while going through this world of woe. This hand still leads me as I go. I'm trusting to His unseen hand that guides me through this weary land and some sweet day I'll reach that strand still guided by His unseen hand. I long to see my Savior's face and sing the story I'm saved by grace. And there upon that golden strand, I'll thank Him for His unseen hand. I'm trusting to the unseen hand that guides me through this weary land and some sweet day on thee I'll stand still guided by his unseen hand If you're a Christian, that unseen hand is active in your life as well as Peter's and mine. Pray with me. Truly, our Father... We are very blessed to have available your unseen hand guiding us, guarding us, protecting us, providing for us, leading us, as you did Peter. God, we, we're so thankful for that. As we come before you today, Lord, as we 
We've listened to your word proclaimed. Oh, Lord Jesus. Bless in our hearing, in our hearts, your word. And may we be touched and moved by the fact of knowing that you are at work in and around us. Even if we can't see your hand, we can know your heart and see what you are doing in people's lives. And what you're doing in our world. Lord God, help us. Help us to be aware, more aware today that you are here with us, working And the evil that is out here is also working to destroy us. But you want to bless us. You want to save us. You want to use us for your glory. May it be done today. In Jesus' name, amen.